Hey listeners, I am so excited for you to be here again for the post-sermon reflections. I am here with my good friend, mentor, um, and spiritual grandmother, Phyllis, and I am so excited to be here to have this conversation um, about a church that suffered for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of righteousness. Um, We are excited to hop in. We want to give you some context from the sermon, and so where we're at in our sermon series right now is we're in the second church. And so we had the church of Ephesus previous to this, and they were a church who was great at duty, um, but missed delighting in Jesus. And this was a church that was rebuked in the second church, the church that receives no rebuke. Um, and so, I, Phyllis, I would love if you just gave us a little bit of context of what Pastor Brennan taught us about Smyrna so that as we hop in, we are ready to talk about what Jesus taught us. Okay, Smyrna was a city in modern-day Turkey that is located about 35 miles north of Ephesus. So they were in fairly close proximity to each other. Uh, But as Pastor Brennan talked this morning, Smyrna tended to feel a little bit um, inferior to Ephesus, and they were trying really hard to to, uh, make it as a cultural center. Yeah. Um, They were actually destroyed. The whole city was destroyed about 600 years B.C. by the Lydian king. And then about three centuries later, Alexander the Great came by and had a vision to rebuild it. So he brought it back to life. He brought Smyrna back to life. So it's kind of got this reputation of dying and being resurrected. Yeah. So that's an interesting uh, thought, I thought. Smyrna's economy depended upon myrrh, which actually is in the name of Smyrna. And myrrh is an aromatic oil that is extracted from myrrh trees that are pressed. Their branches are pressed, and the myrrh is actually used to anoint the dead for burial. Mm. There's just like so much symbolism in, in this place. And I think that symbolism was so interesting when it came to like the context of Smyrna as well as one of the points that I thought was so interesting about the the economic climate is that the reason that Christians suffered there is because they couldn't be a part of the market without worshiping the the gods or the emperors of the of the place that they were that there was no separation from beliefs and work. Beliefs and work were interconnected. And so if you did not subscribe to say, hey, I hail hail Rome, you were asked to exit. You were asked to exit the the workplace, which for me feels crazy of like we separate faith and work so much of like you can believe what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. Just show up and do a good job. Mm-hmm. Nobody really cares. So we still live in a little bit of that culture. Right. But we know that eventually we may not live in that culture. That may not be the reality of, hey, if you don't subscribe to this worldview, if you don't subscribe to believing this or a cultural narrative of tolerance, and if you're not tolerant and you believe absolute truth, like you got to get out of the workplace. And that's like, it's hard for me to imagine. And I know that it's not, we're not totally far from that, but we're, we're not yet in Smyrna right now. But so many believers around the world Mm-hmm. are in places very similar to Smyrna mm-hmm. where they've lost their businesses. They've they've suffered um, because they, they will not bend the knee. Um, and so that was so interesting, thinking of Smyrna and kind of this letter. Um, and so I would love to hear, um, we got some of that cultural context of what's happening in Smyrna. What is the, 
encouragement that John gives to this church, the words of Jesus to them? Well, uh, John talks about being pressed. They And this church was definitely being pressed. And uh, I really liked Brennan's, Pastor Brennan's illustration of pressing the orange juice to get that orange, pressing the orange to get that orange juice. And sometimes you can't get something that's valuable unless you exert pressure. Yeah. And, uh, and tribulation does that to believers, hopefully, as they are pressed and persecuted, the aroma of Christ will come through as a fragrant aroma because we can't go through suffering without the help of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. To uh, He gives us peace. He says he's overcome the world, and he gives us the peace that comes from him to make it through some of these sufferings that come our way. Yeah, yeah. And there was this, there's this prophetic moment that John is expressing to these people of, hang like, it's coming. Right. Like you're experiencing suffering right now. You're going to have these 10 days, and it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Right now, you're experiencing poverty. You're going to then experience people slandering you, and then you're going to experience imprisonment, mm-hmm. and then some of you are going to die. And so thinking of that in our context, Jesus coming and being like, buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> it's coming. Like, it is coming. Mm-hmm. And um, as we were talking before this, we were saying that we want to be the kinds of people that when we are pressed, there is a fragrant aroma mm-hmm. that comes out because we're not in this context yet. Right. Like us as believers in the 21st century mm-hmm. in America, we are still experiencing some of the blessing mm-hmm. that some of the arenas we walk in, it's still advantageous for us to know Jesus. Right. And so thinking about this sermon and what God's heart is mm-hmm. for those suffering for his namesake, What's one takeaway you have from from this sermon? Well, the takeaway that Pastor Brennan mentioned at the end was do not fear, which is what Jesus tells the church at Smyrna. Don't be afraid. Yes, suffering is coming, but there's no reason to be afraid. And why? Because he has promised to always be with us. And uh, I actually was reading the other day in Psalm, Psalm 56, and twice in that psalm, David says the very same thing. He says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? He says that in verses 3 and 4, and he repeats the very same words a little bit later in the, in the psalm, um, verses 11 and 12. In God I trust, in God whose word I praise. I trust in God. What can mortal man do to me? So we don't need to fear what man does to us. Um, God is in control. Yeah. Man thinks he is, but God is. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't matter what men try to do to us. Yeah. I mean, even if they kill us, we know where we're going. Yeah. And God has promised to reward us for our faith. And, uh, you know, like Pastor Brenda mentioned, give us a, a crown of life. Yeah. So, yeah. And we we look to those who've been faithful right in the past. They're who have such good examples. Yeah. Yeah. I think of like to me the biggest the biggest gangster ever is Corey Timboon. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, of someone who suffered for the sake of Christ. Yep. And um, there are many, many people who have, many people who have lost spouses, many people who have themselves physically suffered. But thinking of the reality that there, there's no pit too dark, that the love of Christ cannot shine its light there and cannot be revealed there, of I imagine the Church of Smyrna receiving this letter, mm-hmm. hearing Jesus say, I know your tribulation. Right. And I think of that heartbeat of Corey Tamboon being able to read Revelations, mm-hmm. read Revelation, forgive me, read Revelation and in her suffering see, I know your tribulation. Right. And for all believers who are around the world, if they have access to scripture, because there are some people who they, they may be passing a New Testament along and they may not always have it tangibly in front of them, mm-hmm. to read this and to hear, oh my gosh, God's heart He's there. He sees us. He's present. He's active. How does that change how we view suffering for him? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like sitting on that as believers of like, who is God when we suffer? Mm-hmm. This talks about that. So can you elaborate on that? Like what is God's heart when we suffer for his namesake? His heart is that our faith would be purified. When, when our faith is tested, it's proof that we are his because we're not falling away. We're not rejecting him. We're not leaving him. If we're sticking close to him in spite of the troubles that we're going through, that's, that's a test that we're, we're his. And um, First Peter talks about that, that our, our trials come to us to test our faith and Honestly, I want to. I want my test, my faith to be tested. I want to know that this is the real thing. Yeah, that's genuine. Yeah, that is genuine. So, I think that's a a really good uh, purpose for for trials. I mean, I don't think anybody necessarily wants to be tested. Yeah. But when we are tested, if we can uh, go to the Lord and ask Him to refine us and purify us, get rid of that the dross and the um, impurities in my life so that I'm more like Christ, isn't that, then that's worth it, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I, thinking of this church, we don't get to see their backstory fully. Like we don't get to know every single aspect of what was happening within their church. But what we do know is that they weren't rebuked. Correct. And so what we can assume is that they were faithful people Mm -hmm. in the midst of their, some of their Mm pre-suffering And in the midst of their suffering. And so thinking about who is a faithful person in the day when suffering is not there. So that when the day of suffering for Jesus' namesake comes, that that aroma would be pressed out. So Phyllis, from your perspective, who is someone or like what what is the substance of a person who you think is going to be found faithful when trials and tribulations for Jesus' sake comes? Well, I don't know that I know anybody personally who's gone through it. But I've read plenty of stories, uh, and even Pastor mentioned one today. It was Polycarp. Even though he was 86 years old, had walked with Jesus all his life, and at the end of his life, I mean, he's an old man. Uh, And I'm sure he was like, I don't really want to go through this at my age. I'm not going to last very much longer. But at the same time, he was willing to be firm in his convictions and not back down and even telling the council, bring it on. I'm ready. 
So I guess, you know, if if I'm going to be tested like that, I don't, I don't want to back down. I want to be, I mean, look what Jesus went through for me. He went through so much suffering on my behalf. How can I do less for him? Mm-hmm. And Peter's a good example too, right? Because yeah. when it came to him to suffer, he didn't even want to suffer like Jesus. He wanted to go do more and ask to be suffer, uh, to be crucified upside down. I was like, wow, that's really going that's intense. That's intense. <laughs> it's really going the extra mile though. Yeah. You beat her in your suffering choices. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. And that we see this attitude in the martyrs mm-hmm. of the Bible as well in the martyrs of the Christian faith. Right. Is that like Stephen's face shone. Mm-hmm. Like he was like an angel. Right. Um, and yeah, Peter's attitude was like, I'm unworthy to be, to suffer in the same way that Jesus did. So do it upside down, which like is aggressive. Yeah. Um, or we, we see um, like this early church father say like, bring it on, mm-hmm. like bring it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not there yet. Me neither. In, <laughs> in my natural flesh, I'm not there. Um, and it's not that the Christian ought to go look to suffer like it will come in its due time meaning like sometimes christians have this attitude of if i'm not doing something immediately hard right now that's like sin yeah. but like they're they're doing that for their own pride or they're doing that to right. be like oh i just like gotta be it's gotta go super hard yeah. um and i do think if we're walking in obedience suffering for jesus sake will come yes and so when we experience no suffering there probably is a moment to say am i standing up for truth Am I really loving my neighbor? Am I really showing up? Because I don't know if you've ever had any experience when you're doing evangelism. When you're doing evangelism, if you don't have a bad moment, you're like, have I talked to anyone? Yeah. Because you'll get somebody who's angry at you Mm -hmm. because you're bringing something up that they don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. You're raising the bar of conversation to say, like, have you considered what happens to you when you die? Yeah. Like, do you think about these kinds of things? And there's often an animosity of like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Or like, I remember I was talking to a woman. I was like at a Dollar Tree. And I was talking to a woman. And the woman behind me like starts yelling at me. And she's like, I cannot believe that like you're shoving your faith down this woman's throat. And it's like not the woman I'm talking to who's yelling at me. <laughs> and like we're having this great conversation. I'm talking to her about her daughter and like, hope for like that that she can know christ and this woman's just like flipping out behind me and you're like what "What the heck like this (laughs) this doesn't make any sense but there is this like animosity Mm -hmm. that can come that like we as believers will begin to experience more Mm -hmm. and in that moment you want to be annoyed but you're like that's darkness fighting light that's true and like that's that's very normal Mm -hmm. and it'll be very normal and for us it's important that when it happens we do remember God's heart to say, like, I know your tribulation mm-hmm. and that, like, they can't kill you twice. That's right. Like, what can they do? Uh-huh. Hurt, meal, mere mortal men can hurt me. No. Like, the one we should be afraid of is the one who can, like, eternally damn us. That's right. Which is, which is God. Um, and so it's this, it's this beautiful eternal perspective. Um, one of my good friends at the church, who I love very dearly, talked about that, like, when he's able to see himself rightly, he's looking at himself in light of eternity. Mm-hmm. He's saying, like, do I want to be doing this if I'm thinking about eternity? Yeah. And I think of Jesus here pointing them to eternity, mm-hmm. saying, like, the hope is, is that you're going to get that crown of life. Yes. Because you remained. Right. And so 
one thing of thinking about the kind of people who remain faithful in the midst of suffering. They're the kind of people who have eternity in their eyes right. to say, this is just a moment. Right. Like 10 days, because we see the timeline that he gives here, uh-huh. whether that's a specific 10 days or like a short amount of time. Right. Like uh, Pastor Brennan mentioned, man, like I can remain. Even if we suffered our entire earthly lives. Right. We lived in a place that was incredibly hostile to Christianity. We were in the underground church. If that was our experience, mm-hmm. it would be just a moment. Right. Just a moment. And we would have all of eternity to rejoice with Jesus in his worthiness. Right. Um, which is just like so encouraging. Yes, it is. So encouraging to say, man, I, I can't wait to suffer like my Lord has suffered. And we don't really think that. I don't no. really think that. But <laughs> when I'm there, I pray that that's my heartbeat, that there's this hope and urgency and joy mm-hmm. to say, I serve a suffering God. Right. So it would only be right that I'd be about my father's business in the right. same way. Uh-huh. Um, and that's so good. What is a story of a believer that you're super encouraged by in their suffering that like, maybe you've read about? Oh, I've read a lot of stories. I love biographies, true stories of Christians who've lived and suffered. It, it's an encouragement to me to know that others have remained faithful and uh, of course, there were struggles. It doesn't happen necessarily automatically, but when when you have the Lord, you have everything. I think Pastor Brennan even mentioned that Jesus plus zero equals everything. We don't need, you know. We sang last Sunday. I think we sang Christ is enough. He is enough. We don't need anything else. Yeah. If we have nothing else, everything is taken away from us. Mm. If we're poor, if we're slandered, if we're persecuted, if we're in prison, if we're killed, we have everything we need in Christ. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Just being reminded that of all those who have come before us, the Elizabeth Elliots, mm-hmm. the Jim Elliots, yes. the Corey Ten Boons, yeah. the, I think Hudson Taylor, did he, was he a martyr? I don't, I don't think so, but he went through a lot of suffering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, Judson, no. What was it? You're blanking. Somebody that went to Burma. You're testing me in a way that I... Judson. Uh, Judson. Yes. He lost two wives over there. Uh, it was a hostile climate. He had yeah. to learn the language from zero. He knew nothing when he went there, but he stayed for years. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there were a lot of people who've been faithful to the Lord and and yeah. suffered. Yeah. And, lo- and lost everything and gained everything. That's right. That's, I think, what, like, this perspective of, like, you who are in poverty, but you are rich. Right. Like, it is this eternal perspective of, like, man, my earthly circumstances are irrelevant. Right. In light of eternity. Yes. If I'm pursuing Jesus. Mm-hmm. If I have him in the forefront of my mind, and the reason that I'm suffering poverty is because someone wants to harm me because of my faith, man, I have everything. Yes. I have absolutely everything. Yes. Um, and so in light of all of this, what is how, how are you taking what we're learning in the worship of Jesus from your Sunday and applying it into your Monday? Well, I think you need to realize I need to realize I can't do anything apart from Christ. I need yeah. him every moment of every day. 
whether I'm involved in working or just being home, I need him in the way I manage my time and in the interactions that I have with family, friends, even people I don't know. How am I living in light of eternity? Uh, Am I keeping uh, Jesus in my heart, in my mind, on my mind? Am I conscious of his presence with me every moment of the day? Uh, I mean, I'm retired now, so I'm not going to work every day, and I don't have to worry about getting along with my fellow workers. Yeah. But still, I'm still involved with people. So uh, being involved with people uh, includes loving them, being patient with them, displaying the fruit of the Spirit. And you can't do that apart from living in the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Just moment a by moment. Yeah. Just a heart of saying, I want to be faithful mm-hmm. with what I'm given right now. Right. I think one one thing that I want to take away from this and, and walk out is that I wouldn't be fearful right. of suffering and that I wouldn't hide away from moments where suffering was possible because I chose to do what was right. Mm-hmm. Saying like, Lord, let me not be a coward mm-hmm. when the time comes. Exactly. And so let me act courageously now when the opportunity arises. Um, to have an awkward conversation in like a politically polarized place. Yeah. Uh, I have the privilege of of working at a school sometimes and I'm, I'm with non-believers and I, I love it. I love being there with the kids, but let me not be fearful in the way I say things. Cause like I have the hope mm-hmm. of life that like Jesus is enough and he was real and he died and he resurrected and he's returning. Right. And like, he's going to judge all sin <laughs> and that I want them to take his righteousness on and not be on the other side of that judgment. Like right. I, I keep that sometimes and I and I'm not freely sharing that because of whatever whatever yeah. could happen to me. Yeah. Um and so I don't want to be fearful that way and I want to walk boldly now. Mm-hmm. So when it comes there's a habit of boldness mm-hmm. and a faithfulness of showing up mm-hmm. and saying, "Ah, oh, I got I got eternity in my eyes. Yes. I'm focused on what matters because mm-hmm. what matters is on the other end yes. and I want to do everything here and now mm-hmm. to promote mm-hmm. a life with Jesus eternally forever where I gave it all that I had." Right. I want to give it all that I have here yeah, so I can be with him and say, I ran the race. Mm-hmm. I gave you all that I had, Jesus. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want us to pray uh, for our, our friends who are listening um, that they would remain faithful right. um, in the midst of whatever, whatever Christ has for us and the suffering that will eventually come for some of us. Um, so I would love for you to open and then I'll close this out. Okay. Dear Father, we're very grateful for the example that you have given us in your word concerning these letters to the seven churches. We thank you for Smyrna and for your commendation of them. In, in, uh, in spite of the s- severe suffering that they went through, they were faithful to you and you uh, were encouraging them to continue faithful to the end. Lord, I, I'm praying for the those who are listening today that... Um, You would encourage their hearts. Help us all to be bold in our stand for you, to not be afraid, but uh, because being afraid just means that we are thinking of others and ourselves rather than you, who gives you give us strength to uh, uh, meet the circumstances that you you give our way. And Lord, we we need your strength. We 
confess that we are incapable of doing things are in ourselves and uh, we need you we we are grateful that you are enough and that you have promised to always be with us no matter where we are or what we are involved in thank you for this time that we've had together i pray that you would bless those who who were listening and uh, help us all to stand firm for you christ i pray this in jesus name Lord, we're so grateful that you suffered first, um, that we follow your example. There's nowhere that you asked us to go that you are not leading us, that you are not in front of us. Um, and so, Lord, I ask that our eyes would be set on you. Um, Lord, that you would be um, the apple of our eye, the thing we're pursuing. Um, Lord, we need you. Um, we need you more today than we did yesterday. Um, we need you to teach us how to be faithful um, in moments where we're not experiencing persecution for your name's sake, because we know those days will come. And Lord, we want to be people who stand firm, that there's there's nothing to rebuke because we've been faithful. Um, and that when slander and when poverty and when imprisonment and when death may come to our door, that we hold firm. Uh, we love you, Lord. Uh, we need you. And we thank you so much that you have been so faithful to us. Teach us how to be faithful to you. So I just ask that as these listeners go out through their day and throughout their commute, Lord, that they would think of everything you've done for them, the great love that you have for them, um, and they would walk in obedience out of that love. So we ask that in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Phyllis, thank you so much for being on the Post Sermon podcast, the Post Sermon Reflections podcast. Such a blessing um, to be with you and to talk to you about walking faithfully. Um, and we hope that both of us get many years of continuing to love Jesus and be faithful to him. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. If you guys enjoyed this, I'd encourage you to share it with a friend. Uh, we'd love to, to be a blessing to, to all believers. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your day.